You're listening to the preaching ministry of First Baptist Church in Newton, North Carolina. By God's grace and for His glory, we're striving to be a community of disciples who are growing in trust, growing in love, and growing disciples. We pray you'll be encouraged to deeply love and trust our Savior Jesus Christ through this ministry. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Good morning. My name is Chris Griffin. If you are visiting with us, then um, I am not the normal person person that you would see on a Sunday morning up here. I am um, have the joy and privilege of filling in as our pastor is away. Um, I brought with me many notes, and so I've got to throw them about so that uh, I can see them all or at least a few of them. Uh, this morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 19. Um, and if you are visiting with us, we're very thankful you're here. Um, the, the man in the back said, speak up. And so I'm going to try to speak up. And he said, if you speak up too much, I can turn you down. So he can fix me. And so we're, we're let's all trust that he will have good judgment today. And I won't be too loud. Or if I am too loud, he'll fix it. Uh, but we're going to be in Luke chapter number 19 in the first part of the chapter. If you don't have a Bible with you today, we do have few Bibles that we'd love for you to use. And it'll be on page 1047, 1047 in the, your pew Bible there, the Bible in your pew. Um, we'll be in Luke chapter 19, and, and we're going to be uh, looking at a very familiar story, the story of Zacchaeus. If if you're very familiar with church, if you grew up in Sunday school, then you know that Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. And so as we come to this passage, we have a challenge, a challenge that we all, if we're very familiar with the Bible, have, and that's that we know this story. And you know what happens when you know something? Well, Nobody can teach it to you. You can't learn anymore because I, I know all there is to know. And so the, as we come to this, the, the, the request I make of you is that you ask the Lord, as we pray in a moment, to help you see this passage with new eyes. Not because I'm going to say something new or magical, or, but because we want to see God's Word. And we want to hear from God's Word. And we don't want to bring our presuppositions or all the knowledge we have and miss what God has for us in his word. Uh, so, so as we come to this passage, one other thing I'll say before we begin to actually read it um, is that this passage, like many other passages in the Bible, reveal a struggle that we all have. And that struggle is that we all want to be our own saviors. We all want to fix our own problems. And unless you're rare, that most of us don't want to ask for help. Some of us don't want to be asked for help often enough sometimes. But most of us don't want to ask for help. We want to be our own saviors. But this passage is going to speak to that and tell us that we cannot be our own saviors. 
We cannot fix what's wrong with us. We need Christ to come and save us and change us. So without further ado, let's read together uh, Luke 19, 1 through 9, and I'll, 1 through 10, and I'll, I'll read it and you follow along. He, speaking of Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd for he was a small, he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him. For he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and he came down and he received him gladly. When they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He is gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, Half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. Let's pray. Fathers, we open your word up together as we study it, as we think about it, as we see it, Lord. We pray that you would give us eyes to see it afresh. And, and Lord, not just to see it, to, to learn facts or information or uh, be able to answer quiz questions or something, Lord, but, but to be changed by it, to be arrested by the truth of your word. And to be changed by it. Lord, for us in this building who are Christians, that is our desire. Lord, we do not want to stay the same. But we want to continually be changed by the reading and hearing of the Word of God. And so we ask today that that would be the case, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, so, so we come to this passage about old wee little man Zacchaeus. And it's a very familiar passage. Um, he, he, and I'll say about it, a little bit of background. Jesus, you see in verse one, he enters Jericho, but he's only entering Jericho to pass through. Jesus is on a mission to get to Jerusalem. Why does Jesus want to go to Jerusalem? Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem because Jesus is on his way to the cross and he knows it. At least three times in Matthew, Jesus says, I'm going to be put in the hands of sinful men and they are going to kill me. His disciples say, Lord, don't talk that way. Think about that. Uh, Foolish men trying to instruct God. Uh, But three times in Matthew, Jesus says that. And in Luke, he's here in this part of Luke. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way to the cross, and so he goes to Jericho, but he's not going to Jericho to hang out. He's not going to Jericho to rest. He's going to Jericho 
to pass through and to get to Jerusalem. That's what Jesus is doing in our passage in part. Um, obviously, Jesus is doing more, but he's at least entering Jericho to get through Jericho to get to Jerusalem. Um, I, I've got several points today, and um, I hope you don't mind alliteration, and, and I hope you don't mind the letters U and C, because if we had letters of the day, it would be U and C. Um, because my first point is an unlikely convert. And so they're all going to flow like that. U and C, unlikely convert. I hope you don't mind U and C. They're friendly letters. Um, they've been good to me. Um, but as we look at Zacchaeus, he is an unlikely convert. Why is Zacchaeus an unlikely convert? Well, well, first we know he's a rich man. Jesus said it was harder for a rich man to enter through the eye of a little needle, or I'm sorry, for a camel to enter the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. Jesus' disciples then respond to him in that moment and say, well, Lord, if it's like that, who then can be saved? So first strike against Zacchaeus is he's a rich man. He, he materially may not feel that he needs what the Lord is offering. Uh, strike one. Strike two, he's a tax collector. Um, now, the IRS is probably not your favorite part of the government. Um, but the IRS in this time was even worse because here Zacchaeus is a Jew and he's working for the Roman oppressors. So he's kind of like a turncoat. He's the, the best analogy I could think of is the Benedict Arnold. I, I feel like I need a, a more recent analogy than someone from the Revolutionary War. I hope, children, that you paid attention in history class. Benedict Arnold is a man who uh, betrayed America in our founding war against the British. So Zacchaeus is a Benedict Arnold, a betrayer of his own people. So he's not only rich, but he got rich by betraying his own people. Unlikely convert. Um, not the person that you and I would expect um, to want to know who Jesus was. Now, now, isn't that interesting there, the way the text says it um, in verse 3? Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was. It, it, other translations that I looked at said it very similarly. He was trying to see who Jesus was. Now, I, here we're going to do a little bit of interpretation. And, you know, as I say in Sunday school when I teach, you, you might disagree with me, and that's okay. But I think Zacchaeus at this moment was curious about who Jesus was. I, I don't believe he was a believer at this moment. When he's trying to see who Jesus was, I don't think he's a believer. I think he's just a curious fella. Man, there are crowds following this guy. I've heard that this guy is doing miracles. People who are blind can see. People who are dead are raised from the dead. And that guy is walking through Jericho. I wonder who he is. I wonder what he's like. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But as we know, he's a, a wee little man. And he could not because of all the crowds. He couldn't see over them. Uh, 
I, I'm not the smallest man, but but I, but I, if there were enough crowds, I wouldn't be able to see either, Zacchaeus. I, I can feel your pain a little bit. Um, you're trying to see who Jesus was, but he was unable to. And so, um, not being one that be outdone, Zacchaeus runs and climbs up in a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus. This unlikely convert runs to see who Jesus was. Our next UC is urgent command. We see an urgent command in the text. In verse 4, Jesus comes along, or verse 5, and he came to the place, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your home. You know, this statement by Jesus is an urgent command. He says, hurry and come down. Uh, again, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus is on a mission from God for the world. But in the middle of that mission, he stops by where Zacchaeus is and says, today I'm going to stay at your home. Y- you know, I-, I don't know Jesus's traveling schedule in detail. I, I don't know how long he'd been walking. I-, I don't know if Jesus could have said, you know what, I don't even need to stay at your home. I got a good rest, you know, way back there. I can just keep on going. Whatever the case, Jesus decided that he was going to stay at Zacchaeus' house and he gave him an urgent command to hurry and come down and stay at your house, stay at his house. Uh, this command led to the changing of Zacchaeus' life. And you know what? I really like this. I like this story because you know, there are a lot of commands in the Bible. And, and I'll just speak for myself. You, you can speak for you. Um, but, but I don't like commands. I don't like orders. I don't like rules. I like to do everything my own way. But here we have a command that changes Zacchaeus' life. And if you are a Christian then the commands of our Lord Jesus Christ have changed your life. Not just because you're following a rule book, not just because um, you're, you're following commands, but because Jesus Christ himself has changed your life and changed who you are. And so we see this urgent command. But let's continue on in our text. Um, next, we've got an ungrateful crowd. Do you see that there in verse 6? And he hurried down and he came down and received him gladly. In verse 7, when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Now, I know you'd never say something like that, but but I might would. I, I might have thought that if I'd been in that crowd and I saw, saw him go to the house of Benedict Arnold. I, I'd have thought the same thing. Jesus, don't you know who he is? Jesus, don't you see what he is? Now, in my text, it says when they saw it. In, in some texts, they say it says everyone who saw it. Either way, the point of the passage is there were people in the crowd who saw Jesus talking to Zacchaeus and saw Jesus saying, hey, I'm coming to your house, and they were furious. They were upset. Jesus, how can you go to the house of a sinner? Don't you know who this man is? 
I, I really like that. I, I don't know how you feel about that part of this passage, but I really like it because it says something about who Jesus is. He goes to the house of sinners. He goes to people that we wouldn't naturally go to maybe, but Jesus, on his mission from God, stops by and reaches out to sinners who are in need of his mercy. He reaches out to unlikely people and he gives them grace. Now, the Bible talks about that. The Bible talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, look at yourselves, church. Not many of you are noble. Not, not many are you wise. Not many of you are the people that this world would look on and say, first round picks. T top choice. Best of the bunch. <laughs> the Lord insults us in a way, but, but it's not really insulting. It, it's, it's just the honest truth. The Lord comes to people like me and you who are needy for His grace. He comes to people like me and you who are weak and who need his mercy. And, and, and to be honest with you, the, the only difference between us and other people who haven't received his grace is by, by his grace, we've seen that we are weak and needy and others don't realize they're weak and needy or they, as we said, they try to save themselves. They've got their own plan. They've got their own deal that they figured out for themselves and they're saying i'll save myself this way i'll fix myself this way i'll do enough to please god myself and they've ignored jesus and his commands and his salvation and they've gone about trying to save themselves and they're like this crowd who look upon jesus going to the house of zacchaeus and they say Jesus, why would you go to his house? Jesus, he's a sinner. And again, uh, if we're in Christ, Jesus, in a sense, has come to our house. In a sense, Jesus has come to where we are, and we have something to be grateful for because he's come to where we are. So, so we see the ungrateful crowd, very unhappy that Jesus would come to this man. Jesus would have mercy on this man. Um, but we know because of this, we, we're receiving the same kind of grace from the Lord. So we have an unlikely convert in Zacchaeus, a fe fellow that you wouldn't pick out, the kind of guy you would say, that guy will never come to Christ. That guy will never become a Christian. Uh, yet the Lord calls him. Uh, we have an urgent command. Jesus says, come down quickly. Hurry, I'm going to your house. And, and we've got an ungrateful crowd. Um, Lord, he's a sinner. Why would you go to his house? Uh, lastly, or not lastly, but fourthly, we have an unequal change. We have an unequal change. And you'll see that in verse number eight. In verse number eight, Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will give it back four times as much. So, so, it, it seems like they're maybe on the house, on the way to the house, so maybe they're at the house. And Zacchaeus says, Lord, I'm, I'm a wealthy man. I'll, I'll give half of it to the poor. Lord, if I have defrauded anyone as a tax collector, 
which I mean, it seems like if he said that he kind of probably knew that he had, you know, you ever been in one of those situations where you said, if I have done anything to upset you and, and in that moment, you've known, you've done a lot of things to upset that person. Um, but you say, if, if by some chance I've upset you, uh, I, I'm sorry. Uh, he, he says, if I've done anything to defraud anyone, I, I'll give back four times as much. Uh, this is an unequal change. Let's say something interesting about this change. Uh, first, our text doesn't say anything about Jesus saying, you know what you should do, Zacchaeus, if you're my, really my follower? You should give away half of your possessions. And oh, oh, if you've defrauded anybody, you should give back a fourth or uh, four times as much. Jesus doesn't directly say to Zacchaeus, as far as we can see, here are the things I'd like you to do. Yet somehow Zacchaeus knows that he needs to change and it needs to be an unequal change by God's grace, by God's power. It needs to be different. Um, Jesus doesn't ask him for this, but but it shows the change in his life, doesn't it? Does, does the Lord need half of his possessions? Does the Lord need him to give four times back whatever he's stolen from anyone? And in a real sense, the Lord, in a sense, doesn't need that. I mean, it's good, right? It's good. I'm glad Zacchaeus has changed. But in a sense, the Lord doesn't need that. And in a sense, if if that's all Zacchaeus meant, it wouldn't be enough, would it? If that's all Zacchaeus was giving to the Lord, it wouldn't be enough. You, you know, we can come to church and you, you can say, uh, Lord, I'm going to give you one Sunday out of the week or one day out of the week, only Sunday in the week. I'm going to give you one day out of the week. I'm going to give you 10% of my income. Lord, I'm going to volunteer here. I'm going to give some money to the poor. Lord, I'm going to do this, that, and the other. And you know what? We, we've not necessarily pleased the Lord one bit. And it, it doesn't mean that the Lord has our heart one bit. He, he may have a bit of your money. He, he may have a bit of your time. But that doesn't mean the Lord has you. But the Lord doesn't want just half of your possessions. The Lord wants all of your possessions. The Lord wants all of you. And, and so as we think about this passage, what, when Zacchaeus said, I'm going to give half, when Zacchaeus says, I'm going to give four times, what Zacchaeus was saying is, Lord, you have all of me. Lord, I, I, my life has been about my money. Lord, my life has been about defrauding people. Lord, my life has been about me making me happy and working to be my own savior by satisfying myself with money. But here in this passage, he's saying, Lord, I'm going to give it all to you. You have all of me. And that's what the Lord wants. He doesn't want half of you. He doesn't want 10% of you or one seventh of you. He wants all of you. And when we come to Christ, that's what he's asking for. Jesus said that if a man would be his disciple, he should take up his cross, deny himself, take up his cross, and follow him. Taking up your cross, you know, for us, taking up your cross, we, some of us have crosses around our necks. Some of us have crosses in our house. But a cross was a symbol of death. So when Jesus said, take up your cross, he said, come and die with me. 
come and die. So when Jesus says, be my follower, the first thing he asks us to do is to die and to give our all to him. And so that's what he's asking of Zacchaeus. And that's what Zacchaeus is giving when he gives half his possessions and gives four times to those he's defrauded. He's giving it all to the Lord. So it's an unequal change. Uh, but then we've got a, a kind of unexpected conclusion. Well, it, it was unexpected to me when I read it. Maybe it's, it's not unexpected to you, but it, it, it is to me. Uh, verse number 9, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. Now, most of us, we focus, or if we could quote a verse in these ten verses, the verse we can quote is verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Praise the Lord. Amen. Most of us probably aren't quoting today, salvation has come to this house because he too is the son of Abraham. You probably don't have that verse in a plaque over your wall. He too is the son of Abraham. Um, if you do, amen, send me a picture. I'd like to see it. But But most of us probably don't have it on our walls. And why does he say he is a son of Abraham? Well, well, we could say, well, Zacchaeus is a Jew. Well, yeah, we we know that, but I mean, that's that's like me coming in and and someone saying, well, you're an American. Well, we all know that. That in this sense, that doesn't mean anything. Why does he say it about Zacchaeus? He's a son of Abraham. Well. I'll tell you, in Luke, Jesus has been using this, well, Jesus has, and Luke has, been using this term, son of Abraham, to talk about people who are true believers. Because in Israel at this time, there there are many sons of Abraham, and many daughters of Abraham. I mean, it's, it's Israel, they're all Jews, right? Pretty much. They're all sons of Abraham. They're all daughters of Abraham. But Luke is using it in a technical sense to mean someone who's a true believer. We might say a true Christian apart from those who merely are religious or merely have a form of godliness. Uh, Luke 3.8, John the Baptist comes on the scene. And he says, don't think because you're ethnically Jews that you're safe. True sons of Abraham, bring forth fruits of repentance to show what you have is real. Uh, Luke thirteen sixteen, Jesus heals a woman on the Sabbath and calls her a daughter of Abraham, calls her a, a true child of God, as opposed to the religious people who were ethnically Jewish, but were only religious, and who were at the same moment condemning Jesus for healing on the Sabbath. In Galatians 3, the Lord, who Paul says, that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And all those who are of the faith, who are of faith, who are faith, believe through faith, they are the true sons of Abraham. So there's People who are ethnically Jewish, they really are ethnically Jewish, and they are Jews. But in this sense, 
sons of Abraham are people who are not necessarily ethnically Jewish, but are people who are spiritually trusted in Christ. And they now are sons of Abraham. They are following in Abraham's footsteps, living by faith and trusting in the Lord. They too are sons of Abraham. Are you, are you a son of Abraham? Are you a daughter of Abraham? That's not the same thing as asking if you go to church every week. That's not the same thing as asking if you give money. It's not the same thing as asking if you've uh, been baptized. Because there is, in the church even now, people who could say, "I'm I'm a son of Abraham, meaning I'm religious. I call myself a Christian, just like in their day. But here he's saying there's a false son of Abraham and a true son of Abraham. Are you truly a son of Abraham? And so, so we have this unequal change and we have this unexpected conclusion. Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Here we have that great text. That in some ways is, is very much like John 3.16 that is telling us about the mission of God in the world, that Jesus Christ has come into the world. Um, someone asked me this morning if this was a Christmas text that I was going to speak on. Yes, it is. Look here at verse number 10. For the Son of Man has come. He came on Christmas Day. He came. But why has He come? He's come to seek and He's come to save that which was lost. Uh, I, I like I like verse 10. I like verse 10 in the context of this chapter. Why? Well, the beginning of our story, who would you have said was doing the seeking? Who was trying to see over the heads of the crowd? Who was climbing up in the trees, for goodness sake? Oh, Zacchaeus. But at the conclusion of the story, what does Jesus tell us? That he's the one who's seeking. He's the one who's saving. So, how does Luke set this up? Jesus is just passing through Jericho. Jesus is just walking by. But in the mission of God, Jesus is going through Jericho to find one man, Zacchaeus. And There might have been other people who trusted in Christ. There might have been other people who believed. But at least we know Jesus was coming to Jericho for Zacchaeus. He was coming to Jericho to seek and to save that which was lost. And that was Zacchaeus. And isn't this just like the grace of God, that it comes to whom He wills? All kinds of people in Jericho, all kinds of people in the crowd, many of them probably thought, Jesus, if you go to anybody's house, you ought to go to mine. I give in the temple. I show up on Sabbath. This fellow doesn't. But Jesus goes to his house because he's seeking this man. Now, you, you ponder for a moment your conversion and see if you don't see, as you think about it, how Jesus came to where you were. Jesus came to where you were and he sought you in his grace and in his power. If you're in Christ, it is how it may have happened is different maybe for many of us, but 
it all happened the same way in the sense that we were far from God and he came to where we were and called us to himself and he sought us and he saved us because we were lost. And that was true for each and every one of us if we're in Christ. That's true for each and every one of us. At some point, we either are or were lost and in need of Jesus to come to where we are and to save us. We are about the business of trying to save ourselves, but Jesus is about the business of coming to people and calling him to themselves, him them to himself and saving them. And I say for us church, we've been called into this mission as well to be ambassadors for Christ that we might be about this work serving Christ to bring people to Him. One other thing I'll say about verse 10 is that, you you know, the wrong view of that text would be to say, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost, how great we are. If, If Jesus came to seek and save us, we must be pretty special. We've misread it. We've misunderstood it. The greatness of this passage is not the person being lost. It's the greatness of the person who's doing the seeking and the saving. He is great. He is mighty. He is to be praised. He is to be worshipped. And and so as we come to the end, uh, brother and sister in Christ, are you today trying to seek and save yourself? Are you trying to fix what's wrong in your life? Are you looking to Jesus Christ? Uh, In Sunday school, we're going through Isaiah. And we're in a text in Isaiah where the people are about to be destroyed by foreign nations. And the Lord says to them, don't fear them. Don't fear the nations that look like they're too big. They are too big. They are too strong for you. They will destroy you. Don't fear them. Fear me. Tread me. And when you fear me, the text says, God says, I will be a sanctuary for you. And so, brother and sister in Christ, you have got crises in your life right now that are scary, that are genuinely scary. And it would be easy to be fearful, natural to be fearful. But what the Lord says is, don't fear that, but fear me and let me become your sanctuary. And then to anyone else who's here today who may not be a Christian, you you may have thought about this and said, I'll, I'll put it off. I'll I'll come another day. Um, my father, I, I heard him tell a story recently of before he was a Christian, and he said that I had a plan that uh, if I if I I'll get saved later, right before I die, if I'm in a car wreck or something happens, right then I'll I'll call out to God and he'll save me. But my father got saved before that because the Lord called him, the Lord sought him, the Lord saved him and arrested him with his lostness. And so you might be here today and think, I've been trying to save myself. I've been trying to solve myself. Um, but you've heard about this Jesus who is calling people to himself and saving people. Let me just say that the way he does that 
is through the cross. Here in this passage, Jesus was on the way to the cross. He was on the way to the cross to die for our sins and to be buried and be raised from the dead so that anyone who would call on him might be saved by trusting in him. And so today, if you've not done that, do that today. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Come to Christ today and trust in him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for your word. We are so thankful for Zacchaeus being a wee little man who we can read about and and see your grace in full display. See your power in full display, Lord. See your salvation in full display. Lord, may we be like Zacchaeus and be changed people by the gospel of Jesus Christ. May this be so in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the First Baptist Newton Podcast. If you want to learn more, check out our website at newtonfbc.org. We'll see you next time.